The other week, um, we had a funny time around the, the family dinner table. We were catching up with a, with a friend, uh, having an extra join our family, and Marin decided that we should play two truths and a lie. And the idea of this game is that you tell uh, three things about yourself, two of which are true, one of which obviously is a lie, and everyone else needs to guess um, which one is, is false. Now, I'm a, I'm a terrible liar. Uh, I feel like I just give it away with all sorts of cues. It's why I can never give Marin a surprise because I always, my face reveals something, it gives it away. And so we were playing this game and I was terrible at it, not because I'm a terrible liar, but because I was concentrating so much on keeping my face kind of straight and to not give away anything that I ended up just telling three truths and, and missed the whole point of the game in the, in the thing. Now, as we did this, our kids didn't really share because certainly as their parents, we, we knew all their stories. We, we've been with them all of their lives. We knew what was true or what was not for them. But it was fun for them to hear mine and Maren's stories, especially as there were new ones that they hadn't heard before. I mean, there are other times too when family stories come out. You know, such as at birthdays or when we look back through photo albums or, or our memories on Facebook. You probably have them too, where, where you sit around and you say, remember that time when? These are treasured and they're often repeated memories. And they're so important because they, they give this sense of, of history and a, and a sense of identity. These are the stories that make up our life together as a family. And when you read the Bible, you often see the same thing. There are certain stories that just seem to be told over and over again. I've been reading through the Psalms, for instance, and there are numerous Psalms that recount detail by detail aspects of Israel's history, particularly the history of their exodus from Egypt. And when we come to the book of Acts that we've been studying um, over this year, again, we see the same thing. You know, Peter's first sermon in Acts 2, it works through Israel's history. Stephen's sermon before his martyrdom in Acts 6 does the same thing. And the first kind of full summary of Paul's preaching that we get in our passage for today in Acts 13, it does it as well. These stories, these family stories, these family memories, if you like, these stories of God's choosing of Abraham to form a people for himself, of their slavery in Egypt and God's mighty working to lead them out into freedom, of God's appointing David to be king over them. These are stories that are told repeatedly throughout the scriptures. And let's be honest, as we read them now, again, <laughs> they can get a bit tedious. I mean, enough already. We already know this story. But they are like the family stories that are told around the dinner table. Yes, we know them, but to be reminded of them, to hear them afresh, to, to pick up a new, new nuance, a new little detail that you hadn't heard or paid attention to before. These things give a sense of history and of identity. And they do more than that too. In, in the, the stories of Scripture, these repeated memories, they remind us and declare to us about God's gracious actions to save. See, it's not so much uh, a case of 
You know, remember when so-and-so did that thing at, at the place? As much as it's a case of, remember when God acted? Remember when God saved? Remember when God was kind and good to us, even when we didn't deserve it? Remember when God said that thing that he was going to do and then he did it? That's what we see here in the scriptures. So we've already read through the whole passage earlier in our service, but let's work through it together now. From verse 13 of Acts 13, it starts with Paul and his companions arriving in Pisidian Antioch, which was a Roman colony and the governing and military centre of the southern half of the province of Galatia. And there in the Jewish synagogue, after the reading of the law and of the prophets, Paul and Barnabas are invited to share a word of teaching and encouragement. And so Paul, as a Jew, talking to other Jews in the Jewish synagogue, shares a family story of the Jews. Remember when God, it's as if he says, and look at all that he reminds them of what God did. God chose our ancestors. God made the Israelites to prosper in Egypt. God led them out of Egypt by his mighty power. God put up with them in the, in the wilderness with all their complaints. God overthrew the nations in Canaan so that God could then give the land to his people. And God did more. God gave them judges to rule over them. God gave them Saul as the first king over them. God then removed Saul and God made David their king in his place. For in David, God had found a man after my own, own heart who will do everything I want him to do. Paul recounts to his primarily Jewish audience all these actions of God on their behalf. He reminds them of God's mighty acts. He reminds them of God's gracious deeds. He reminds them of God's care and provision for them. He reminds them that God has formed them as a people. And not just a people, he's formed them as his people. He reminds them that God has exercised his power for their salvation and for their good. He reminds them that generation after generation, that God has been with them and he has been acting for them. He reminds them that God chooses them, saves them, cares for them and provides for them and leads them. Now, if God has acted in such a way in their past, throughout all of their history, what would make them think that God would cease to work in such a way now? Rather, you know, seeing as God has acted all this way through history, surely he will now continue his acting, his saving, his caring, his leading. And that's the Paul that point that Paul makes here. God will continue to take the initiative and to show his grace and power as he continues to act, which is what Paul goes on to outline as he says that, that from this man's descendant, so from David, this man after God's own heart, from this man's descendant, God has acted again and he has brought to Israel the Saviour Jesus as he had promised. He tells of how the people of Israel and their rulers, they condemned Jesus. And by doing so, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. And they carried out all that was written about him before God then raised him from the dead. And the result of all this we see in verse 32 and 33. 
says, we tell you the, the good news. What God promised to our ancestors, God has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. Paul then goes on to quote uh, three Psalms that are all related to King David, who was like the, the pinnacle of Israel's history and glory. And he argues that these, these Psalms are fulfilled not in David, even though they relate to him, but they're fulfilled in Jesus, the, this son of David, because it's Jesus who God has raised from the dead. And so therefore, as good as David was, and he was glorious, he was a man after God's own heart. He, he fulfilled God's purpose in his generation and all else that it says of him. As good as David was, Jesus is even better. He is the saviour and the king, the glorious pinnacle of God's action for his people. So just as God acted in Israel's past to graciously and powerfully save them, so he has acted in their present to do the same through Jesus. And this is what Paul says as he wraps up his sermon. He says, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Through Jesus and only through him, not through ourselves or our effort, not through a religious system or leader, not through saints or angels, but through Jesus as the only mediator between us and God. Through him, we have forgiveness of and freedom from our sin. He is God's action. He is God's gracious means, God's mighty acting for our salvation. Now, Paul spends the time reminding his listeners of what God has done in the past so that they will see and have confidence in what God is doing in the present. He wants them to remember so that they will then respond. That's why there's such an emphasis in the scriptures on what God has done in the past in saving and caring for and leading his people. But this is not just something for the Jews of Paul's day. It's something uh, that we continue to do today. We continue to remember um, in a similar way uh, ourselves. I mean, think of the songs that we sing. So many of them rehearse again the gospel story of the greatness of God's love for us such that he sent his son to die for our sin and gives us his spirit now to live in him. So many of our songs tell that story of Jesus death, burial and resurrection for our sin. Every time we share in communion together, uh, we do the same. We remember God's salvation acts for us and we appropriate them again uh, for ourselves afresh. Likewise, in our, in our sermons, in our preaching and in our praying, we always make reference to what God has done for us in Jesus. We remember what God has done for us in the past recognizing the wonder of it, the power of it, the grace of it, so that we will see and will have confidence in what God is continuing to do now in the present. And remembering what God has done is to then prompt a response from us. Look at Paul's words from verse 40. He says to those listening to him, he says, Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. 
Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish. He issues a warning that they don't look at God's saving acts and then discount them, reject them, make light of them. To not have that kind of a response because they do so at their eternal peril. In contrast, look at verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they honoured the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Rather than scoff at and reject God's salvation, they honoured it. They accepted and embraced it and they were saved. If you're listening to this today and you have not put your faith in Jesus for, for your salvation, you need to hear this warning. God has acted in history. We can recount his mighty deeds culminating in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. And it's not only the scriptures that record this for us. This is history. And so remembering these salvation acts that God has done in Jesus, remembering them as we have done today, the question is, how will you respond? Will you scoff or will you honour? Will you reject or will you embrace? Will you perish or will you have the eternal life that God offers to you? Because remembering what God has done in the past helps us to see that he is still acting today, right now, to continue to bring his salvation to his people. Yes, Jesus died then, but he died to save now. So may you respond in faith today. And we will pray to that end in a few moments. For those of us who have experienced this great salvation, we also have a response as we remember it all. And we see this response scattered throughout the last verses of the chapter. In verse 43, we are encouraged to continue in the grace of God, trusting in God's grace and not in our works or in our worthiness. In verse 47, we see our mission to be a light for the Gentiles, to, to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. In verse 48, the example is to honour the word of the Lord, to give it priority in our lives and to listen to it and to obey it. And in verse 52, our remembering is to result in, in joy and life in the power of the Spirit. So as we finish up today, there are two questions for you to reflect on, to perhaps share with others in the context of your neighbourhood church, to share with family or, or whoever you're watching this with, or also to engage in, in, in journaling and reflective prayer before God as we consider his word and what he's asking of us today. So the first question to reflect on, though, is what is the story of God in your, in your life, in my life? See, you don't even have to be a Christian to be able to answer this question because Christian or otherwise, we can look at our lives, we can look back through all the events and the movements and seasons of our lives and we can see both the big and the small ways in which God has graciously been acting in them. So what is the story of God in your life and, and, and how is that continuing to unfold now? And, and so having remembered though, having looked back and seen his hand, the second question to ask is how are you responding? 
How are you responding to that story? How are you responding to what God is doing? What is it that God is inviting you into in the present as you look back on what God has done for you in the past? So let's pray. Let's pray as we respond. And after we have done so, we'll, we'll sing together again as we remember, uh, continue to remember what God has done for us. So let's pray. God, we, we thank you for your word that is so full of accounts of all that you have done. As we read through it, we see your hand in, in creating, in choosing a people for yourself, in leading them, in, in uh, providing for them, in, in saving them out of their bondage and slavery in Egypt and to take them into a, a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, honey a land of, of abundance and blessing. God, we see your hand even as you continue to warn them uh, not to turn away from you and as you then discipline your people as they do so. And yet you always have your eye, your ear, your heart turned to them. And so you continue to lead them and provide for them. You continue to save them. And God, we see this culminating in the coming of Jesus. God, we remember and we look back and we see what you have done in Jesus. That he died our deaths. That he bore our sin upon himself taking its punishment, your judgment uh, and your wrath upon himself so that we didn't have to. And God, in doing so, satisfying the, the judgment of our sin. But because he himself was sinless, the, the punishment didn't stick. And so he rose again to life. And in doing so, he offers us his life, life to the full, eternal life, his righteousness, his, his relationship with you. And so we, we look at all this, we remember, and again, we are struck with awe and with wonder. And so we thank you for your word that, that reminds us of all this. And so, God, I, I pray that we would then respond appropriately that we respond to what you've done in the big movements of history, but we respond to the ways in which you're acting in our own lives. And so if you're not a Christian and today you do want to respond in faith and experience you know, the eternal life that, that is offered to you in Jesus, I invite you just, just to pray with me now and to say, God, I thank you that you are the God who saves. I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for my sin, that I could be forgiven of it. And that he rose again to give me his life that I can now walk in, in, in holiness, in faith, in following after you, in relationship with you, God, and then with your people. I want to put my faith and my trust in Jesus to save now, God. I want to come into your family, that all these family stories would become part of my story. And if you've prayed that then today, know that God has welcomed you into his family. And I'd encourage you, let someone know. Um, send an email to the church, tell someone in your neighbourhood church or, or, or however you go about it. Uh, but that would be awesome because we'd love to encourage you in that. And for all of us, God, as we look at your uh, working in our lives, God, may we just have hearts and lives that are responsive. May we walk in obedience. May we walk in faith and trust. May we walk in your grace 
and, and your power. May we be filled with joy and with uh, your, your spirit, God, that we would honour your word and be encouraged by it and all the rest that we've looked at today. May we remember, may we respond. And through it all, God, may we make much of you because you're awesome. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, church, let's, let's sing together. Man of sorrows, remembering all that Jesus has done for us and, and rejoicing in that fact.